was making under $15,000 a year. I was living with the host family, so they wouldn't even house us in apartments. NWSL. Yes. You're living with another family, like you're an exchange student or something. Yeah. Attendance grew 26% and exceeded 1.2 million. You have like these incredibly different investors. Professional athletes become you know, themselves a brand, their own business. Live the next 15 years knowing that I can do what I like, what I enjoy without having to worry about money because I've invested what I've had. This lifestyle is obviously great, but you don't want to lose it. Can you speak on maybe a mistake you've made off the pitch, whether that's a, a bad purchase? I bought a puppy for $7,300. And you want to know the worst part? Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for, for joining us today. This is really cool. Kyle, thank you so much for putting this on. TA, thank you for uh, helping make this happen. Um, you know, I usually, for my podcast, usually I say let's skip the small talk, and then we just like jump right into it. And I just ask the guest just this crazy icebreaker question, and we just roll from there. I feel like tonight... I can't really do that because I want to give proper context of how special this is and sort of set the stage for, for our conversation. Um, I will uh, give a little elevator introduction of myself, uh, and then Maria, you can introduce yourself. Um, and so just to let you know like who we are, what we're doing. Um, so yeah, my name is Noah Lack. I grew up 10 minutes from here, Memorial. Uh, ended up playing basketball for three years at Santa Clara University. Uh, now I'm the founder of Athletes and Assets, uh, where our vision is to leverage media to teach business through athletes. So whether that's retail, venture capital, sales, crypto, what I found out being in sports and sort of transitioning into the tech world is some of my favorite athletes, turns out, like, they know a lot more about business than I originally thought and was thinking about, well, how can we sort of build around this and leverage content and media to not only educate people on business topics to almost be like, a supplement to the Rice MBA pro program, lightly put, um, but also help the athletes, you know, leverage their platform, what they're doing to help them transition into their their next phase of, the, of their career. Because, as you guys know, like sports is a it's a quick life cycle, and um, so yeah, we're here today, and um, I will uh, pass it over to Maria to give an elevator pitch on herself and uh, what she's doing. Hi guys, uh, nice to meet you. My name is Maria Sanchez. I'm a professional soccer player for the Houston Dash, and I also represent the Mexican women's national team. At the senior level, I grew up in Idaho. I know you probably don't know a lot of people from Idaho, but I'm from Idaho. And I went to Idaho State University for two years and also Santa Clara University where I met Noah. And I, this is my sixth year playing professional uh, soccer, my first year in Chicago, two years in Mexico, and now with the Houston Dash. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here and speak in front of you guys. So, yeah, that was uh, the spoiler. We were, were classmates in college, and it's really cool to be connecting here in the, in the home city. Um, you know, this actually got started because... Um, I saw your, your contract on Twitter, and I was like, next time you're buying torches, dude, like you're buying torches. And Kyle was like, whoa, let's like do a podcast here at Rice. And I was like, sure, like we'll set it up. Um, so why should you care? Why should you care about like what's going on? Um, last year, the NWSL uh, attendance grew 26% and exceeded 1.2 million. 
2022, attendance grew 50% from the prior year. As a result, as starting in 2024, the NWSL has signed a four-year, $240 million contract to have media rights, CBS Sports, ESPN, Amazon Prime, and Scripps Sports. It's like one of the fastest growing sports and entities in America. And what you see as a result is Maria, as, as for example, as a byproduct of the success of women's soccer um, and what's going on. So, um, you know, I just want to uh, give kudos to the NWS, NWSL and, and everything that's going in that direction, which is pretty cool. Um, okay, Maria, here's where I'm going to start. Your first thoughts when you signed that contract. You were at that time, it was the highest, it was the largest contract in women's soccer history. Um, unfortunately, Mallory passed that, but whatever. Uh, what were your thoughts when you, when you signed that contract? Um, obviously, it was very exciting. Um, I think it's a big milestone for women's soccer. I think that to me was like the most important thing. I was very aware that it was going to get broken within probably, I, I thought, the next week. Um, but I think it was really cool for the representation of minorities like myself and also women's soccer. I think that these contracts, like now we're talking million dollar marks are incredible because I was in this league six years ago, making under $15,000 a year. And now obviously it's gotten a, a lot better. And like you said, it's the growth. Um, we now have 14 teams in the NWSL, um, Bay Area acquiring a, a spot and now the bids like six years ago you could come in for one million dollars now it's like 50 million dollars to get a team in the NWSL so um yeah it's it's pretty cool to see the growth that it's had and and the projection for the growth to come in in the years so whenever something big happens in your life you know then there's like the family reaction so like what did your family think when, you know, they saw you ink the contract? And did you get calls from aunts and uncles you haven't heard from in 12 years? Or, like, what, oh, what yeah. happened there? I mean, just media in general, um, family, obviously. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty big. I knew it was going to – I mean, it was on the Wall Street Journal. So I knew a lot of people would contact me, and, and obviously it was it was a huge deal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you, you if, for reference, if anyone else wants to check out – you can look up Marie on YouTube and you'll see the ESPN FC interview. You'll see like the, you know, the general reactions post post contract in, in that world. Um, but the topic of conversation here is like, first of all, when you guys have heard of NIL, correct? Have you guys heard of the, the term NIL name, image and likeness? Well, obviously NIL in college is legal now. It got, it became legal in 2021, but this phrase, this idea of NIL, it's all, it's all professional sports. Like, that's what it is. And so when you think about NIL and pro sports, professional athletes become, you know, themselves a brand, their own business. Now, you can invest in different businesses, but now there's, like, whether you like it or not, there's the business of Maria herself or the business of, you know, just like if there's a business of LeBron or, or Trevor Rosenthal, uh, 2014 MLB All-Star pitcher in the stands. Thank you for, for coming, Trevor. Um, so, like, you become a business, you know, throughout these years, Maria, how have you thought about yourself as your, your own brand and your NIL, if you will? Yeah, I mean, it's been... Like you said, women's soccer has been growing a lot and you kind of go into this thing where now you're signing deals like in the 
past year with AT&T, Ford, Nike, um, you, you signed these bigger deals that you didn't know before. You didn't know how it worked. Now your agency comes in and they figure obviously all the legal and all the paperwork for you. But um, yeah, I mean, it's been amazing working with, with all these brands and you come to an understanding that you have to be smart with everything you're getting now because like you said, it's a small cycle that happens very fast um, being a professional athlete. So I think the most important part is obviously living the moment, but also making sure that after your professional career is over, you have a plan or something to keep you. I mean, this lifestyle is obviously great, but you don't want to, you don't want to lose it. For sure. So like when Ford approached you, what does that process look like? Who is in your corner to assess what they want from you, how much money they're going to give you, like what exactly you're going to do? Is that you family agent? Is that you agent? Is that you or PR agent? Like who is in these rooms making that decision? Um, so usually it's your agency contacts you, like this company wants to work with you. Sometimes they go directly into my email. Like last year I worked with Bucanas, um, and they came directly to my email. I forwarded it to my agent. They take care of the deal and kind of what an Instagram post costs or a story. They figure everything out, the term of the deal, and you're pretty much locked in to representing that brand for a certain amount of time. What's, what's Bucanas? So I'm not hip. I'm sorry. It's a whiskey. Whiskey? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes. Was that the first one or was that just your just general example? General example. Okay. What else? You got Bucanas. What else is interesting that's come across your DMs or, or email? Um, I mean, direct, directly, Bucanas was one. Um, I worked with Peacock. For the Women's World Cup. Oh, like Yeah, okay. yeah. So AT&T, Wells Fargo, Ford. Um, yeah, just those are a few. Do you, do you think, like, what are they assessing here? Like, are they looking at your Instagram following and being like, she has a real organic audience. I think that is, I think that is where we can really m- make the juice worth the squeeze here? Or is it something else? I think they look at everything in general. Um, I know being on the Mexican women's national team brings a lot of um, attention. So especially being in the U.S., it's a large market. The, the Mexican national team is a lar- has a large market here. So I know just representing Mexico gives me a, a huge opportunity in America. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, what, what do you sort of assess here? I mean, like, has there ever been a time where – the, the deal looked good on paper, but you got like a bad feeling like, oh, I don't think I want to do this or I think they're asking too much. Like, have you ever dealt with that before? I mean, sometimes, especially with alcohol brands, like you're an athlete. <laughs> you don't want to <laughs> so, be sipping yeah. bucanas before the Houston yeah. Dash. <laughs> so I recently this year after my deal, um, Don Julio and Johnny Walker were like, can we send you some bottles? And it's like, great, like to celebrate, but it's like, I'm, after you I'm an athlete, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you kind of have to manage your image. Like, obviously, you want to work a deal with them, and there's athletes that work with Michelob Ultra and, like, a lot of alcohol brands, but also you have to be careful. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you're not I'm, you're not the only athlete to have, like, an alcohol brand sponsor. Do you ever get flack from your, your teammates? You start passing the ball weird. They're like, hey, Maria, stop. Don't, don't sip the product. Like, so yeah, you're, you're, no, you'll, you'll get made fun of. Yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and um, what have you seen amongst, you know, some of your other peers? And what have you admired about how some of your other peers manage their, particularly their NIL, their brands? Like, have you, is it something where you felt like you've learned on the job? Meaning you see how this girl has handled her brand deals, her appearances. So you're like, you know what? Like, when that happens to me, I'm going to make sure I handle it better or I handle it this way. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I mean, I think me personally, I try to take any opportunity I can. Um, that's something I've learned. Like, even just being here, I was really nervous, and I told Noah, like, I this is not something I'm comfortable with, um, especially public speaking, but I think they're just things that make you grow. And as an athlete, when I retire, I want to say, like, I've worked on TV now. I've worked on so many things, a real, reality TV show, like, I want to take all these opportunities and I see sometimes like some of my teammates don't do things because they're so uncomfortable or it's a scary thing. Like obviously when you're an athlete, you perform in front of thousands of people, but this is different. Like you're speaking, you're, you're in a different part that maybe you're not used to, or you weren't trained to do. But I think for me, it's just taking those, those opportunities that make you feel so uncomfortable that I know will make you grow. Did you wait? Were you saying you wanted to start potentially start a reality TV show or be in a reality TV show? I I was a couple of weeks ago. Can you, can you speak on it, or is it or is it um, we have to wait I till th- it release? No, I think it's it's gonna get bought out this year, hopefully by like a I don't know if Netflix Prime or whatever. I mean, I, I saw it on Instagram, so it was like yeah. pretty public. Like, so it's just it's called the off season. Um, it was like 11 NWSL athletes in a mansion in Miami and we just trained um, and had cameras all the time. We were mic'd up all the time except for at night. But yeah, pretty much they followed us to see what we do on a daily basis after training. And I know they had worked with like reality house or housewives. I don't, I don't know what it's called, but Real they, were, yeah, they, they were surprised because they hadn't really worked with athletes. So I think it's a great idea. Obviously it's like a pretty cool concept and Midge purse, one of a NWSL athlete um, came up with the idea. So it's obviously something that they're trying. And I was very uncomfortable to join that too. But I mean, I, I, I think it's, a good opportunity. Yeah, and that feels like feels like hard knocks with the NFL. NFL does something where um, in the off season they track um, a team and, and document everything, and they catch everything. And um, I think that speaks to how fast the NWSL is growing. Now there's a reality TV show around women's soccer. I mean, how many of you guys knew that before we just brought that up? I mean, it's it's growing super fast, um, and it's like unprecedented. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Um, so that was in Miami off season FC. Um, that's awesome. And so, you know, I know we, it's, it's tough to just talk about money and as an athlete, all your, your contractual stuff is, is really public. How do you, how do you now think about dealing with some of that extra income to either save, invest, or purchase? Like, have you, do you feel like you now have to really wrap your head around a stronger financial literacy base? Like, how have you, how has that process changed since citing the, the dotted line? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely tough. Um, I think you go from not making a lot of money to all of a sudden you have money in your bank account. And for me, I think it's very easy to, like, make big purchases that you've always wanted. Um, but for me, I've kind of learned from other 
athletes before and and I and I know that this lifestyle is probably very short and after you're not an athlete anymore you stop making that money so for me um I knew I didn't want to have to deal with that in the future I'm currently in the process of purchasing a home so I know like when you're obviously an athlete you can get traded you can get taken anywhere but I think um I mean I was spending money on rent so I was like maybe I should purchase a home and I think those are learning steps for me um obviously my parents didn't go to college or they didn't teach me how to invest my money but I think I've kind of been learning on the way and it's something that I'm trying because it could be in my savings but I don't think it would generate a lot of interest there so I'm trying new things and and seeing what works and obviously learning with the experience of the process you that's a you made an interesting point like I don't think this is going to happen you could get traded tomorrow but you purchased a home right and this is something that all athletes like deal with when they first you know a lot of athletes deal with when they get that that big cash infusion can you go back to that talk a little bit about that process of like okay I think it's time to purchase a home. You know, this is everyday. This, I mean, these are this is everyday problems with with a lot of people, not just professional athletes. You have to deal with it as well. And but I, I don't recall at Santa Clara anyone giving you a, a course on how to deal with home buying after signing a contract. Like that's that wasn't in the manual, was it? No, not at all. I think those are just life lessons you you learn on the way and. Right now, I don't think I've ever been this frustrated before because the process of buying a home, and obviously, like, it's it's just very new to me. I mean, I'm 27 years old, um, but it's something that I knew I wanted to do, I wanted to learn, and I think, yeah, I'm just, as it goes, it's, it's very difficult, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, I'm in Houston at least for three years, so, um, Obviously, if I get traded, then hopefully I could either sell or rent. So um, these are things that I've, I've had to think about before purchasing. But, um, yeah, it's just learning as you go, I guess. And how, how do you learn? Do you feel like you've learned the most about life off the pitch through other athletes? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you, um, like, look at um, – YC videos all day on YouTube like myself. I don't think, do you even know what YC is? No, I don't. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, you know, how do you learn? Like, what's the best, like, have you learned stuff? Just a general question. Um, for me, it's just experiencing these things. I think I have to go through it personally. Like, I can have so many people tell me about it, and I'll take things, I'll learn from that. But I think for me, I have to go through it to actually know what it is and, like, learn, I guess. And I think that speaks to a lot of many athletes. It's really trial by fire with, with a lot of athletes. And, you know, the media wants to cover, you know, the, the dramas and, and the really the, the athletes that are bankrupt or in legal trouble more. But th- there's a ton of success stories. And you'll hear a lot of athletes say they felt like they got an MBA going through different processes um, throughout their career. Um, so, you know, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that because – you know, experience is, is a great teacher, isn't it? Oh, for sure. And I mean, I, I went to college, I got a bachelor's in sociology. So it's not really <laughs> helping me right now. But um, <laughs> not real estate, you yeah, get, you nope. get, no Texas real estate major over here. All right. Yeah. So I think in in that aspect, I mean, I've surrounded myself with with a lot of people who know 
about business, who invest their money, who have different goals in mind. And I think just surrounding myself with those people who have these plans for their future has helped me figure out mine. Yeah, absolutely. Can you speak on maybe a mistake you've made off the pitch, whether that's a a bad purchase or maybe something financially you mismanaged that you can laugh and joke about now? Or, or um, <laughs> Yeah, I hope you guys enjoy Well, maybe it's not as enjoyable, but I bought a puppy for $7,300. What kind of, what breed was it? Uh, mini Golden Doodle. And you want to know the worst part? Where is it now? RIP. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? We're just going to end it there? Like, what, 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 like what happened? Now I'm interested. Yeah. Like, what the hell happened? Yeah, um, so I travel a lot, and uh, I I left it with my friend, um, and it unfortunately passed away with her, but not her fault. We took it to the vet, or she took it to the vet. They said it was in Parvo, and then the puppy passed away, so. What's in Parvo? What? What is that? Uh, like a, no, Parvo. Parvo. Do you guys know what that is? Okay, they they understand. Well, what 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 is it? <laughs> It's like a, it's a puppy disease, okay. I guess. Okay. Yeah, but it wasn't that. It just. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. How old was uh, How old was? Uh, three months. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So very sad. But after I made that purchase, I was like, okay, you got to be careful with your money because. Sure. That's a high, yeah. <laughs> high value purchase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where was this uh, in Houston? Were it you? was in Houston. Okay. It was la- a year and a half ago. Okay. Absolutely. Um, well, on that note, let's uh, let's pivot to you know, yeah. something else. <laughs> All right. Well, on the on the other side, of it, on the other hand, what is something you think you've done financially that's smart that you can that can you sort of brag about? Right? Are you you know? I'm hoping my home purchase is smart. Um, it got appraised at a greater value, so I'm okay. learning on about that as we go. But I heard that's pretty good. Okay. Not bad, not bad. Uh, Kyle, you want to let us know? Give me a, a five-minute warning when it's Q&A time? Okay, awesome. Um, yeah, so look, I mean, the sport the, the sport itself and this women's soccer is going really fast. I think part of that is like the World Cup is coming, which I am psyched about. Um, you know, can you talk about where the sport, where, like where the NWSL was when you started? And can you speak on some of the, the nice changes you've seen made um, as you've progressed? Um, yeah, I mean, I was in this league six years ago. Like I said, I was making under $15,000 a year. Um, I was living with the host family, so they wouldn't even house us in apartments. Um, wow. You were just put in with a random family. And um, really? you had to, yeah, it was... NWSL. Yes. You're living with another family, like you're an exchange student or something. Yeah. Wow. Correct. So my first year, my rookie year, that's what I had to do. Um, I didn't have a car. I was out in Chicago. I didn't have a car, so I would have to Uber. Um, yeah, they didn't really have any, like, travel was was difficult as well. Um, now we have signed a CBA since last year. Um, there's a minimum, and... There's salary caps as well, but um, now we don't have to live with host families. Um, there's a certain stipend that you have to receive if you don't choose apartment housing by the team. Uh, we get a car stipend. We have a lot nicer fields, a lot nicer travel. We don't charge charter yet, but some teams have that. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, the minimum is now $38,000, I believe. 42, 38, I don't know. I'm not sure. But it's a big increase from yeah. fourteen or $16,000. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and one change I want to point out is, um, you know, we've seen NWSL players now take ownership of teams. And so one great example is our friend Leslie Osborne Lewis, who went to Santa Clara, um, was an incredible soccer player, played in the Olympics, and now she's a co-owner in the new women's soccer team, Bay FC, who uh, may or may or not have tried to recruit someone here on, on the stage, right? <laughs> well, maybe I can't speak on that. That's, that's tampering. I'm a Kendrick Perkins to come and, and hurt me. But, um, but so it's like the players are getting are giving back to the game, and I think what we're seeing here um, that you see a little bit in the NBA, but like I really start to see now in women's soccer clear as day is this beautiful recycling thing where the women go through the game, they realize how important it is to grow the game, and then they give back to the game and they invest into the game, and then we see, you know, they're planting seeds, and now we're seeing the offshoots of it, right? You know, the big media contract, attendance going up. It's awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could invest in women's soccer now. Obviously, I'm, I'm a current player, so I can't, but I think the increase of value that the teams have had in the league has been crazy and like the media deals um the sponsorships and everything especially on world cup years they they're insane i think they should let you invest if in in the league like what if you were a co-owner of the houston dash worst case scenario what they, they trade you or you're no longer with the dash you go to the portland thorns or something you still have equity and like it still could be a good business decision for you um maybe there's a conflict of interest if you switch teams that's probably the yeah. main thing yeah. um but i i would if i were the nwsl i'd take that chance and like somehow let the players get equity in in various entities that wouldn't involve a conflict of interest yeah, I mean, you can't invest in your own league, but I mean, like James Harden invests in Houston Dynamo Dash. Um, Kevin Durant has Gotham. There's like Serena Williams with Angel City. Um, so there's different athletes that different sports invest in soccer, but as a soccer player, I mean, it would be great, but I can't. That's why it's really promising too. Um, some of these teams, especially the West Coast NWSL teams, the investors are like – some really big VC firms and names that well, traditionally were, were investing in tech and now they're investing in, in women's soccer. I mean, like Angel City FC, the LA-based uh, women's soccer team, um, Alexis Ohanian, co-founder of Reddit, is a part owner. You have like Christina Aguilera. Um, you have like these incredibly different investors. And then back to Bay FC, not only Leslie, but there's like Sixth Street, which is like a big you know, private VC equity firm. Uh, that, uh, they either do VC or private equity, excuse me. I don't know which one of the two. And there's, there's a discernible difference. Um, have you had a chance to sort of mingle with these people now that they're sort of more involved with the league? Or do you even, you, did you even notice that? Um, yeah, I think these the people that invest in in the teams obviously like to have a connection as well with the players i mean we'll go to angel city and you'll you'll have like also a lot of famous people at the games just the connections that they build and to have these people at even attending our games is is great and also like when you're speaking to a new team and they want to bring you in they they connect you with um a lot of sponsors a lot of people that are pretty well up there um and obviously to have a relationship to also show you what you can have 
after your career, not just during. Um, and I think that's a very important thing that has happened now when teams try to recruit you to take you to their team. Not only do they show you the soccer potential, but they also show you life after the game, which I think is very important to some players. How do they show you life after the game? What are they – how? I mean, they show you, like, the plan of – the long-term plan of the teams. We understand that it's a growing sport, that it's a growing market, but even just with Bay FC um, – with with San Diego, um, Angel City, all these all these teams that you know have great connections, um, they kind of show you the people involved that you can also connect with. Sure, who's who's like the most famous person you've met at a soccer game? I was like Maria, a nice nice penalty kick today. I like that lefty top left corner, um, good stuff. I didn't notice that she was there, but I don't know her actual name. The victorious girl. I don't know if you guys know her. The Victoria's Girl? Is yeah. That from a, a it's like a cartoon. Or, Man, I'm... Yeah. I'm but she, or not, I live under not a rock, guys. I'm not hip. Yeah. So, like, it, I'm I'm sure it's like... Yeah, but, I mean, I met Kobe Bryant at a game. Wow. Um, yeah, Bean. so... It's incredible. Diff- yeah, different people that you'll meet that is pretty cool. And I think what's really cool is when players like yourself meet them, I think the ones that have the foresight of, like, I'm a fan, this is awesome... But, like, you know, would love to stay connected for for future business, you know, endeavors or just want to stay close to your network. I think, like, instead of just asking for a pick and then throwing it up on the ground, like, I think it goes a long way for for a lot of players. Oh, yeah. I think just being involved with all those people. I know Natalie Portman is an owner of Angel City as well. And I know, like, some of the players that kind of get to have that connection with her and Obviously, here in Houston, hopefully James Harden comes to a game. But, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to be surrounded by people like that. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's just – I think it's you, – you, you become a product of your environment, and that's why I'm really bullish, bullish on NWSL. If all these forward-thinking business minds are around the game, it's inevitable that the players absorb some of that, that experience, that energy, and then transfer that after they're done playing to some – Incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think it's um, really special what's happening in the NWSL. Um, I'm really excited uh, for you and ha- everything you have going on. Um, where do you see yourself in five years from now? I mean, hopefully I'm still playing. Hopefully I'm still active. Um, obviously it'll be a different part of my career. I think right now it's like I'm on my prime where I can sign bigger deals. Um, maybe in five years I'll be lucky to get on a team. Um, hopefully not, but um, yeah, hopefully I'll have learned from this house buying um, and and obviously take any more opportunities I can get to learn. Um, and hopefully I'll have that kind of knowledge that after my career I'll be okay and that I won't depend on uh, being a professional athlete to bring in what I bring in now. Which leads me to the next thing. I'm going to give you a buffer here too. Like in 15 years from now, let's say you're not you're done playing soccer or 10 years. What would you like to be doing? I think for me the most important thing is to be doing something I enjoy, even if it doesn't give me the income that I'm getting right now, but to have that like to 
live the next 15 years knowing that I can do what I like, what I enjoy without having to worry about money because I've invested what I've had. Awesome. And let's let's hope the, that, that the rate on the value of the house keeps going up and <laughs> Maybe we, um, you know, buy a German Shepherd next time. <laughs> Something yeah. that maybe lives a little longer. Uh, but no, I think we've squeezed the juice here in terms of uh, chatting with Maria about everything she's got going on. Um, so before we, uh, first of all, let's give Maria a round of applause here. I think this is, this is awesome. Um, so I want to give time for, for Q&A. Welcome, guys. Thank you for being here. Uh, I have a question for Maria. Uh, you said you played in Mexico for two years. Uh, I would like to hear from you about your experience, like the differences and the challenges you had um, between here and Mexico. And how did that uh, come to an end for you to come back to the United States? Yeah, for me personally, um Obviously, Mexico is where, where my parents are from, so it was a huge step to go back to the country they left for a better opportunity. Um, so for me, at that time, it was the better opportunity. Um, the NWSL is a, a league that has been growing, but it's very difficult to play in. Um, obviously, the U.S. women's national team is one of the best teams in the world, so it's very complicated to get a contract in the NWSL. Um, but I think... In Mexico, I was also able to learn a lot of things. It's a different country where investing looks a little bit different, where your income looks a little bit different. Um, there, they're able to do after-tax um, monthly payments. So, I mean, that was great. But, um, yeah, I think it was just a different experience, a country that maybe doesn't have as much security as the U.S. does. So um, I couldn't maybe live that lifestyle that I live here now um, in that sense. But, yeah, I think it was definitely a growing experience in my career as well. Next question's from over here. Maria, Maria, thank you so much for speaking with us. Um, question is with regards to knowing your worth and your value that you bring um, to the team and allowing you to get to that contract negotiations. Do you have a... Um, do you have an agent, or what levers did you were you able to pull to know you can get that value from NWSL? Yeah, um, so it was a long process. I was actually looking to leave Houston. Um, it was a year where last year we didn't have such a, a great season. Um, so there's this thing called restricted uh, free agency and free agency in the NWSL now before teams were able to keep your rights and trade you at any time they wanted. Now we have more control over that. So with me, it was if another team wants me, they can offer me a contract and Houston can keep me if they offer the same amount or more. Um, so I think I had that leverage. Um, I had a couple great seasons here in the NWSL where I was able to negotiate a little bit better, but that's where my agent comes in and, and obviously he pushes for, for the best contract I can get. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was definitely a tough last three months of, of last year where I had to make a decision of going with these contracts and obviously looking at other teams, but um, Houston came through for me and, and offered me something I couldn't say no to. Thank you. Yeah. We 
got our next question here from a high school player, received her scholarship, and is currently rehabbing from industry, special guest. Um, <laughs> hi, so it's really nice meeting you. I've, I, I go to your games. I even have one of your bobbleheads in my room <laughs> that they gave. Um, my question is, what's some of the like best advice you've gotten that you applied to your sport and like that you also applied to like your brand and your life that has helped you like move forward in what you do? Yeah, I mean, I think for me personally, it's that everybody has their own path to success, and sometimes it comes at different times for people. I think growing, uh, well, coming professionally, my first year, I mean, I wanted to be one of the best soccer players, but I got the minimal contract. I didn't get playing time, um, and obviously I wanted to be like the other stars on my team and make that money that they were making get that playing time um but I learned to be patient with my career that my career isn't going to be like my idol's career or the people that I look up to um and that my time was going to come when it had to come um so yeah just stay focused and know that all those failures are stepping stones as well and a lot of learning um lessons as well so yeah just that Things come at your own time, and you just have to keep going with it. Yeah, nice to meet you. Um, my question is, five to six years ago when some of the players in the NWSL were making less than 15000 or right around 15000 can you speak a little more on what kept you optimistic about the NWSL and what even kept you motivated to play? Yeah, I mean, great question. Um, I think for me personally, just the love that I had for the game. And I knew I saw this, I had this vision of long term and what we could do um, for the future of women's soccer. I know the people before me fought to have a professional league. So I think for us in my generation, it's that duty to keep going and to keep growing and to keep you know, setting these standards and raising the bar. Um, so obviously I know I've signed one of the biggest contracts now, but I know hopefully in five, six years, my contract looks minimal compared to what the future players will be signing. So I think for most of us, it's kind of that optimism of the growth of the game and the future. I have a question here. Do you have any idea of what business would you like to invest in other than the house? And what would it be like being a woman, as, like after sports, being a woman and an entrepreneur or just a business lady? Uh, what is it like for you? And what plans do you have on that? Yeah, so I've been learning a lot as I go. Um, I've tried investing in the stock market. Um, now with real estate, I have thought about having my own business, but I think that's so difficult. And I obviously know that until I try it, I will learn from it. Um, but yeah, I think for my future, something that I want to continue in is either real estate, um, the real estate market or the stock market. And I think I have a lot of great connections, a lot of great friends that teach me on the way and that hopefully with the connections I make in my career, I'm able to connect with people 
that can guide me through that. And if it's either opening a business um, or helping other athletes, like my agent 10 years ago was not making money from women's soccer and he had the vision, he stuck with it. And now he has represents over a hundred players. So I can only imagine the uh, money he makes, but it's something that it was long-term for him. Um, but that I would be interested in doing and hopefully helping the women's game grow. Hi, Maria. My name is Mickey. And first of all, congratulations on your big success. My question is, you mentioned how often you travel for work and being a professional soccer player, it must be like really, really busy, um, always playing, always practicing. So how do you manage your workload with your personal relationships? And can you talk more about your work life balance? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that's very difficult. There's a lot of times that there's family events that I know I can't make, um, friends events that either they're getting married or something big in their, their life is happening that I know I can't commit to. Um, so that type of stuff is really difficult. Like on Saturday, I'm set to leave. I get my house tomorrow and then Saturday I leave for a month. So um, there are just things that I guess I signed up for and that I enjoy doing. Um, and I think you just figure it out on the way. Um, obviously we're human beings as well. And we all need to go out for coffee, to go out for a walk, to communicate with other people and socialize. So I think it's just finding that balance that I'm a professional athlete. I, I can't do a lot of things that other people can do. Like sometimes People want to do physical activities outside of soccer. My friends, obviously, that that don't play a, a sport for a job. But, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that you learn as you go, but that you have to balance as well. And, yeah, traveling's hard, but I, I enjoy doing it for sure. You want to hoop tomorrow? Sure. <laughs> JT, you good? All right. <laughs> Hi, Maria. Thank you for coming and speaking with us. Um, just curious, because we've seen previously that only, only um, high net worth individuals can be the owners of the team. And recently, there's a shift towards, you know, like um, I guys talked about how Leslie and Addie Wagner, former legends of the women's soccer, partnering up with Six Streets, Repair Capital into investing teams. So how, does, how do players feel about you know, institutional investors coming in as team owners? And would you like to follow that first step of Leslie and Addie Wagner? Yes, so I I had the opportunity to go to the same university that that they did. Um, they're all Santa Clara alumni, so we've always had that kind of connection. And I think since I was at Santa Clara University, they always seek to grow the women's game, and I think that speaks volumes because they see the vision of of the growth of of women's soccer. And just like I say, I want my contract to be a milestone. I think in the future. I want to invest in women's soccer, if it's either owning a team, if it's owning an agency, um, whatever it is to be around women's soccer. Um, I think it's very important because just like I want it, they want it to grow for me now, I want it to grow in, in the future. Hi, Maria. Hi, Noah. Thank you guys for being here tonight and uh, congratulations on all your success. Uh, two questions. First from Maria, regarding uh, Income equality, we know that the U.S. Uh, women's national soccer team, after years of uh, negotiations, were able to finally get to a deal where uh, there's pay parity between them and the men's uh, 
national team in terms of what they bring in at tournaments such as the World Cup, etc. Um, in the NWSL, knowing that you had the opportunity to sign one of the biggest contracts, where do you see the envelope being pushed to be able to get to some of the bigger contracts like we see in European soccer leagues on the men's side and even on the women's side uh, as far as here in the United States? Uh, and my second question for, uh, for Noah is, uh, who's your dream guest that you'd like uh, to have on your podcast? Thank you. Um, yeah, so that's obviously something huge that has happened over the years. Um, I think the women's, the U.S. women's soccer team deserves it because um, when we talk about revenue, they were bringing in the same or more than the men's team, obviously playing more games maybe. Um, but, yeah, I think... I understand that it's it's a growth. Um, I I don't think I would ask for equality on the men's side when I know that they're maybe bringing more currently. I think it's it's a growth um, for women's soccer. And now, like Noah said, we're signing um, TV deals that are huge and that can now fund um, those contracts for for women's soccer players. So I think that's very important to me. Um, Obviously, European men's soccer has been around for a long, long time. Um, so they've their contracts are insane. Um, we've seen that with baseball as well here. Um, but I think it's it's a growth that I understand comes over time and comes with these brand deals. Um, so yeah, I think that we're getting closer to it now, and and we can say that it's growing for sure. Um, but I'm not sure how long it'll take until there can be that equality. You've got to answer my, got to answer my, yeah. my piece. Hey, thank you for, for the question. So, um, so I, I want to like, there's like two answers. There's the one I already have in my head. Um, someone very attainable, someone I've met before, but then there's like a, a wild card I want to give you to like make it spice it up. So the first guy um, is Joe Montana. Um, and Joe Montana which a lot of people still don't know yet. First of all, on, on the sports side, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, won, I think, four Super Bowls with the 49ers. But Joe Montana runs Liquid 2 Ventures. And I don't know how familiar you are with Venture Capital, but Liquid 2 VC has invested in some of the most category-defining companies this decade that in terms of like when we think of there's Mercury, billion-dollar startup bank. There's Anderol, the weapons, um, so the weapons industry, weapons technology, like uh, vaguely put. There's Rappi, and Joe Montana is the face of this quiet VC firm. Has now you could say that's because of his success with the 49ers, his proximity to the Bay Area. He's one of the, he was clearly one of the most famous people in Bay Area history, where all that stuff happens. But you need a little more than that to be so spot on in one of the toughest industries to compete in on a consistent basis. And for him to rec not only start it up, but recruit some of the best partners, I don't care if he didn't do any diligence on anything. I don't care if he actually made that decision. I'm talking about him right now. He's the face behind Liquid 2. And so the ability to recruit, the ability to assess that startup talent, and for him to have so many winners in his portfolio, when we think about like athletes and assets, like someone who's killed it on the field and is like just killed it off the field, like that's like the epitome of like he competes with anybody. So like like Sequoia and like Liquid Two is in the mix consistently, and it doesn't get talked about enough. And 
I haven't heard Joe go on many media appearances about in in this regard. I want to be the first to to sort of have him open up about this side in in a way he hasn't before. But um, I think that's it's really cool for me. So there's a lot of there's you know that's why I, like there's a lot of athletes like LeBron or Steph. I love to have them on, um, but I think like even though they've also made a lot of successful bets, I think Joe is probably more hands-on than we think. And for him to be like so high profile and then to all of a sudden transfer and become sort of this really in-depth investor, really assessing emerging markets, that's really impressive to me. Number two, as I'm like talking, is Big Unc, Uncle Shea Shea, Shannon Sharp. I, I, I think uh, I think Shannon Sharp would be a hell of a guest on athletes and assets because I don't want learning to be boring. And when I bring on athletes... I don't want you to fall asleep. I want it to be as entertaining as if they go on the nightcap or something. However, there is an educational twist to it where you actually might learn something about a business topic, whatever it is. And I think Shannon would would do a great job in it, trying to you know check both boxes alongside myself. So um, yeah, those are those are my two. Thanks for the question. We got time for one more question. Which brave soul is going to throw their hand in the air? Okay, my question is, you mentioned the CBA, and um, I imagine being the most prominent player in, in the league right now, you were most likely involved in that process, and so I'd be interested to hear from your perspective, what was one thing um, that you took away from that, uh, that you maybe learned, or that was a new perspective, and, and maybe you can apply it in other areas of life? Yeah, I mean, th- I feel like that's where... I'm thankful for the generation before me because they actually fought for that two years ago when I was just now, when I was just coming back into the league. So I didn't have much fight into getting the CBA. Um, The league has been around for 10 years and just two years ago we signed that CBA. Um, So, I mean, I'm very grateful for the work that my teammates, current teammates now have made. Um, Obviously even just having a minimal salary was very important to us to have our own uh, apartments and not live with host families was very important so um, obviously back then maybe I wasn't a high profile athlete um, but now that has kind of changed so um, for me it's yeah the the future of it and what I can do to help grow from where it is now into that because there was people, there was players before me that helped me get the contract I have today. So, yeah. That is, unfortunately, all the time we have for Founders Journey this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a big round of applause for Maria Sanchez <laughs> and Noah Lack, athletes and assets, making it all happen here, y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh.